Please stay tuned for important disclosure information at the conclusion of this episode. The strong dollar can pose a threat to earnings season. What investors should know as companies report their results? Plus, Tesla is falling short of Morningstar's expectations, what we now think of its stock value, and used cars are becoming less affordable. Our analyst weighs in on likely warning signals from the country's largest used car dealer. This is Investing Insights. Welcome to the new Investing Insights. I'm your host, Ivana Hampton. We're bringing you a new format with a mix of market news, analyst insights, and personal finance tips. Let's get started with a look at the Morningstar headlines. Tesla's dip in deliveries is leading to a dip in our view of its stock value. The electric vehicle company reported lower deliveries than we previously forecast. Preliminary numbers show just under 344,000 deliveries in the third quarter. Granted, that's an all-time high. Reuters reported Tesla aims to produce almost a half a million vehicles in the fourth quarter, but those numbers would leave it short of what we forecast for the year. The company pointed to logistics issues for delivery slowing down last quarter, while we think it reflects the challenges of ramping up production at two new factories and restarting the plant in Shanghai, China. We see no long-term issues that would affect production, We estimate Tesla stock is now worth $250, down from $255. One of the world's largest chip makers is scaling back. Micron reported fiscal fourth quarter results that suffer from declining memory chip sales for PCs and smartphones, and the demand is likely to fall further. The chip maker is also dealing with an oversupply of inventory. Revenue is falling short of management's estimates, and Micron is cutting capital expenditure budget for fiscal 2023 while working to curb output. However, Morningstar remains positive on long-term memory demand growth stemming from trends such as artificial intelligence, 5G, and electric vehicles. We're also optimistic about Micron's new memory and storage products and their ability to help grow revenue. We've lowered our estimate of what we believe Micron's stock is worth to $70. Nike's surplus inventory is taking the steam out of otherwise good sales numbers. The company's performance in its first quarter of fiscal 2023 topped Morningstar's expectations. However, it released a disappointing near-term outlook due to the U.S. dollar strength and elevated inventories. Demand has been healthy, but Nike has struggled to manage its product deliveries because of supply chain issues, and that's leading to a surplus of -of out-of-season items. We expect a relatively quick recovery as Nike appears to have a solid lineup of new products despite the issues. The globe's largest athletic footwear and apparel brand should get a boost from the upcoming World Cup and other sporting events. And September shows strong back-to-school demand and double-digit sales growth. We lowered our estimate of what we think Nike's stock is worth to $129, down from $133. We still think the shares are undervalued. This has been one of the worst years for bond funds since the 90s, and that's according to Peter Marchese. He is a senior manager research analyst for Morningstar Research Services. Inflation has stayed higher than expected, in part because of the war in Ukraine. And the Fed has also signaled that it may keep raising interest rates until next year. The biggest losses have come from funds that invest in bonds with longer maturities and that makes them the most sensitive to an increase in interest rates. The Fed met last month, and they raised interest rates by 0.75 percentage points for an unprecedented third time in a row. 
and the double-digit price declines that bond funds have seen may make them more attractive investments now. Marchese says investors might be trying to time when bond funds will start to rebound. You can read more about bond funds' terrible year. A link is in the show notes. The current economic environment is making used cars unaffordable for some people. CarMax pointed to high inflation and low consumer confidence for its disappointing earnings results. The nation's largest used car dealer appears to be signaling trouble ahead. Dave Whiston is a U.S. autos equity analyst for Morningstar Research Services. He covers CarMax. CarMax reported its fiscal 2023 earnings for the second quarter. The news wasn't good. Can you break down what they released to us? Sure. It was a very ugly day for the stock. It fell 25% that day, which um, I can understand it to a point because some people just focus on the EPS, uh, for example, and they did miss horribly. It was $0.79 reported versus $1.39 for the Refinitiv consensus. Um, But basically what's going on with CarMax is all uh, ultimately a function of this chip shortage that's been ravaging autos. And it's causing a major, major problem in used vehicle affordability for consumers to the point, frankly, where consumers are basically just saying, I'm done, I'm not paying more than what, I'm not paying what you're asking now and I'm not gonna pay more. So that's causing uh, their their same store, or what they call comparable store unit sales, were down uh, over 8% for the quarter, which is a pretty ugly number. Um, not the worst it's ever been, but it's, it's ugly. And it was also means they were down for the third straight quarter in that metric. That hasn't happened since the Great Recession, actually, when they were down four straight quarters. Um, and th- again, I mentioned affordability. That's, that's what's driving all this. It's not a problem with CarMax's management team and their strategy or anything like that, their business model. It's just that used vehicles are very, very expensive and consumers are, are staying away a lot more than they did. And they're just delaying uh, buying a vehicle. So average selling prices or what we call ASPs, um, they were roughly about $20,500 before the pandemic. And uh, they peaked, uh, hopefully peaked, in fiscal Q4 just a couple quarters ago at over $29,000. And uh, they've been coming down, but not a a lot yet. They're still over $28,000, actually, I think over $28,500 for the last, for Q2 that they just reported. So um, again, that's causing consumers to stay away. That leads to gross margin compression, uh, you can't leverage your SG&A costs, your overhead expenses. Uh, free cash flow is still positive, but it, it gets hurt by this. And then you get an earnings mess, and that leads to the stock having a very ugly day. So it's been a challenge to buy a used car over the last couple of years. You mentioned earlier that there's been parts shortages. Well, there's likely hasn't been a shortage of people looking to buy a car. Well, inflation has entered the picture. What is CarMax's response to all of this? Yeah, and that's that's the ugly thing here is we've got a lot of used vehicle inflation because of the chip shortage, and so it's it's a it's too simple. There are definitely dealers out there gouging consumers, especially on the new vehicle side, um, which is unfortunate. But um, on the used vehicle side, CarMax's ASPs have gone up over forty percent compared to before the pandemic and before the chip shortage. You know, they're now in the uh, over twenty eight thousand um, dollars. But what all ultimately happens here is that this whole process, um, it it needs to reverse itself out and that's going to take some time. So right now, uh, to to your question, what are they doing? Well, um, they are raising prices, as I mentioned with the the ASP increase, but they they price still to get a gross profit per unit or GPU. 
they still want that to be in the low $2,000 range, roughly $2,000 to $2,200 a unit. And because of their big data expertise, their price, uh, national pricing algorithm, um, and just being very good at what they do in terms of how they procure cars, they can still get that GPU. But I uh, talked to their CEO about this before. He's very passionate about not gouging consumers and uh, because he believes there's goodwill being created. We don't gouge them now down the road five years from now when they need another car even. They'll, they'll come back to CarMax because they know they were treated right. Uh, obviously, you can't treat every, um, not everyone feels they're treated right, but that's uh, that's the business model, and they're they're selling nearly a million car, uh, used cars a year on the retail side. So I think they're doing something right. Um, but when you're um, still um, you're, yes, prices are going up to consumers, but there's the other side of this, which is procurement costs for CarMax to get that inventory. But you're still getting the same GPU that I mentioned in the low two thousand mm -hmm. dollar unit. So what does that mean? There's there's math here. Something has to give, and that's gross margin. Gross margins for their use uh, just on the used vehicles they retail, um, they're down uh, several hundred basis points now. They're I believe right around eight uh, percent. They were more like ten and a half to eleven percent. Uh, before the pandemic, and the overall uh, company gross margins are down over 400 basis points now to about 9% uh, from 13 to 14% uh, previously. So you're getting a lot of margin compression that hurts earnings that ultimately, again, leads to a 25% fall in the stock price and, uh, in my opinion, a buying opportunity for the long-term investor. But it's, it's early. So CarMax also finances car purchases, and the Fed is raising interest rates, and that's making car loans more expensive. What is the company doing? to address that? Yeah, so they also have a very lucrative finance arm called, uh, they call it CAF, it stands for CarMax Auto Finance, and it basically uh, relies on the asset-backed securities market, or the ABS market. So they're still originating well over $2 billion worth of loans every quarter. The originations are roughly flat, though, year over year. Mm -hmm. um, they are passing along some of the interest, uh, the higher interest rates, because they have funding costs, uh, what's effectively a bank. Um, and they are getting, um, on the ABS deals, they are getting a, what's called the collateral spread. That is getting narrowed. Uh, but they are, the interest margin to, on uh, CAF earnings uh, has gone up before the loan loss provision. You've got some higher loan loss provisions, of course, to a point to one normalize things after a lot of erratic accounting that went on uh, when the pandemic first started on, on estimates for the loan loss provision. Um, but also macroeconomic conditions have worsened, worsened slightly, but they're not heavily reliant on the subprime a borrower, for example, so I, I don't think you need to worry about uh, a low credit quality, a low quality credit portfolio. Um, but as I mentioned, originations are flat. Um, some of that is I think CarMax is choosing to be a, 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 just a tad more selective. Mm -hmm. I haven't heard anything about a massive pullback, but there's also in the used vehicle space, there's been a huge increase in uh, penetration by credit unions. So uh, there are there uh, customers have the option to go through CAF or other lenders, and some customers are choosing to go to another lender. But I see nothing that makes me say the CAF business is in a lot of trouble. All right, so what do you think of CarMax stock value? I do like the stock a lot. It's one of my favorite names, honestly. I've been covering this list for 15 years, and CarMax is, is definitely up there for in terms of uh, great quality and a great business. And uh, uh, we're not, as analysts, I'm not allowed to own it, unfortunately, and I, I really wish I, I were allowed to because it's, it's a great business I'd love to own, especially at a recent price in the mid-60s. Um, I do stress, though, I mean, we haven't really experienced, if, if we are going to have a recession in the U.S., we haven't experienced the full head-on brunt of it yet, so things could certainly get worse with the stock. Um, I do think for the long-term investor, though, the stock is a very attractive investment, and it's certainly uh, well undervalued. Uh, it's a five-star stock uh, as of now uh, with a fair value estimate, uh, I believe, of 155, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, so it's the kind of name, I think, it, it really, like a lot of things, there's just been so much volatility you want to endure and how patient do you want to be. Mm -hmm. 
but on my coverage list, which I admit is a very cyclical one and being autos, but um, this is definitely one of the higher quality names I cover in a great business. And I think right now um, it's, it's cheap and frankly, it's really undervalued. Are there any other names that you would recommend besides CarMax? Yeah, so covering autos, the, the good, it's good and bad when a recession happens because it, it hurts, obviously, if you own the stocks and you, you see things like a stock being down 25% in one day like CarMax was. That's, that's painful. You know, I, I invest personally. I don't, again, I don't own my list. I, I'm not allowed to, but I do own stocks, and when they fall hard, mm-hmm. I, I certainly don't like that. We, you know, none of us do as human beings. We like to make money. Um, but covering autos, with, with everything is just getting decimated and sold off now because of fears of higher interest rates, fears of a U.S. recession, uncertainty around what's going on in Europe because of Ukraine. Um, so basically, every automotive name I cover is uh, undervalued right now. Um, again, though, it comes down to how much volatility, how much, and how patient do you want to be as an investor to see what you like. I mean, high-profile names on my list after, beyond CarMax would, of course, be GM and Ford. They're both um, five stars, I believe, today. Um, they're dealing with higher input costs, but um, the whole auto industry, uh, for a variety of reasons, uh, such as incentives aren't very high uh, right now because of the chip shortage. They're, the industry, in my opinion, is going into a recession if we were to have one, uh, I think, in a far healthier state uh, and ability to handle a recession than it, it normally would be, because normally incentives would be very high right now. We'd have bloated inventories. We have the exact opposite. We have inventories that are way too low by Really, they need to more than double from where they are. They're, they're now about 1.4 million units, and they got down to under a million units on the new vehicle side uh, last September. Um, so if, if one doesn't like a GM or a Ford, um, another really high-quality name on my list that perhaps some people don't know about is Gentex, ticker GNTX. Uh, if you don't know them, they make all the auto, nearly all the auto-dimming mirrors in the world for your car. They have something like uh, ni- roughly 93% market share. Um, it's got amazing margins for an auto supplier. Uh, op margins are generally in the mid to high 20% range. In a really bad recession, they've been in the high teens. Uh, a typical auto supplier is going to do high single digits to maybe low double digits. Gentex has no debt. So it's a fortress balance sheet. It has cash and uh, high quality investments, generally blue chip and, uh, type investments or bonds uh, that make up, I believe, 19% of uh, their total assets as, as of June 30 and just under $2 per share. Um, so you've got a stock that uh, I believe right now is, is five stars with a $36 fair value estimate, um, trading in around uh, $25, $26. Um, so that's another high quality name to keep in mind if someone wants to do autos but maybe doesn't want to take the plunge into the, the deep end of the, the volatility and the cyclical uh, intensity of um, a GM or a Ford, for example. All right. Well, thank you for those ideas and your time today, Dave. Thank you. The U.S. dollar is growing stronger. Its surge is good news for travelers taking international trips, but not so good news for investors. Here's Morningstar's Director of Content, Susan Jabinski, and Dave Sequeira, who is the Chief U.S. Market Strategist for Morningstar Research Services. Hi, I'm Susan Jabinski with Morningstar. The U.S. dollar recently hit new two-decade highs after the Federal Reserve raised interest rates in September. Morningstar's chief U.S. market strategist, Dave Sequeira, is here today to discuss what the strong dollar means for investors, company earnings, and stocks. So, Dave, let's start out talking a little bit about what's been driving the dollar's strength in 2022. Well, there's been a number of different reasons, but first and foremost, from a fundamental point of view, I think it's because inflation in the United States, while we haven't turned the corner yet, 
at least has stopped going up. And the Federal Reserve here in the U.S. really was one of the first major central banks to really start tightening monetary policy in order to limit inflation. So I think that from a fundamental point of view is one of the biggest reasons that we've seen the strength of the dollar, especially as inflation has been ramping up in the EU and the U.K. I'd also say from a more technical point of view, the other thing we've been seeing is that there has been a flight to safety to the U.S. dollar. So again, while markets have been going down, both in the U.S. as well as internationally, you know, the economic outlook globally has been pretty soft. That flight to safety has also helped push the dollar stronger. So do you expect the dollar to remain strong for the rest of this year? Well, we don't explicitly forecast, you know, foreign exchange, you know, or the dollar in and of itself. We really stick to analyzing the fundamentals of the companies, you know, under our coverage. Now, having said that, I would say that in an environment that as long as inflation in the U.S., you know, doesn't continue to start ramping back up, and we do see inflation running hot in those other areas within the world, then yes, the dollar probably will remain strong for the foreseeable future. So in a recent column that you wrote for Morningstar.com, you talked a little bit about that, how a strong dollar can cause a threat to company earnings. Unpack that a little bit. Well, specifically, that's going to be for those global companies that have a lot of earnings in foreign jurisdictions. And essentially, it's going to be what's called you know, foreign exchange currency translation in accounting terms. So essentially, that just means that when you have those earnings in a foreign currency generated overseas, you know, when that company translates that back into U.S. dollars, you know, for every amount of foreign currency that you have, you end up getting less dollars back in the United States. And so that will be a headwind to earnings growth for those companies. So Dave, what types of companies tend to suffer the most when the dollar's strong? Well, again, as we mentioned earlier, it's those companies that do have you know, a significant portion of their earnings coming from overseas. But from a fundamental point of view, more specifically, I'm also concerned about those companies that might have a mismatch between their revenue and their operating costs. So, for example, if their operating revenue is in U.S. dollars, but then their costs you know, would be in that foreign currency, you can see you know, an expansion in their margins, which, of course, you know, would be good for the company as the foreign currency is you know, cheaper. Or conversely, if it's the opposite way around and you know, they're generating the revenue in that foreign currency, but their costs are in U.S. dollars, that then could actually impair and constrict their operating margins, which, of course, fundamentally could reduce the value of that company. So then, Dave, how should investors be thinking about companies that may see their earnings get nicked by the strong mm -hmm. dollar? You know, is this a reason to sell? Or are, are earnings disappointments that are maybe driven by that strong dollar something to sort of just, you know, gloss over as long as the long-term mm -hmm. story is good? How should they think about it? Well, I wouldn't say it's a reason to sell. It's certainly going to be a reason to dig in a little bit deeper and really understand how that foreign currency translation you know, may be impacting the fundamentals of the business of itself. So we look at that foreign currency translation as an accounting change, which is really just going to be a one-time hit in earnings. So unless you expect that the dollar would continue to keep appreciating at a similar rate, you know, it'll hit that one quarter, but then it really won't hit in the quarters you know, thereafter. However, our equity analyst team, they're really looking at you know, the underlying fundamentals you know, of that company. So they would be looking for instances that the fundamentals could change because of the difference in those foreign exchange you know, valuations. And if that were to actually impair the company, then yes, it could be a reason that you know, it may be enough to push the stock down. And of course, you'd want to sell ahead of that. So lastly, Dave, are there any stocks today whose earnings may be a little vulnerable to this strong dollar, but where we have faith in, in the long-term story and maybe they're undervalued? 
Sure. So a couple of you know international companies I'd highlight right now that we think are significantly undervalued. You know, first would be Anheuser Busch InBev. Again, the largest beer company you know, in the world has sales all across the globe. So they're going to have lots of different types of foreign currency issues. You know, no matter how you look at it. But that stock we think is significantly undervalued at this point in time. It also plays into a theme that we've talked about before, which is kind of that consumer normalization that we expect as the pandemic recedes. So we think that there'll be some benefits. You know for that company going forward as well. Uh, the next one I would mention would be SAP. So again, large German technology company. So that one has been under pressure. You know, that one I think is traded off you know, over 40% year to date. So that's trading well into undervalued territory you know, in our view. Then lastly, the one that I would mention is uh, GSK, GlaxoSmithKline. So that company is actually one of our healthcare team's you know, best picks you know, right now. And it's been under pressure, you know, for two different reasons. So the first, of course, would be, you know, the foreign currency translation. But I'd also note this is a little bit of a story stock. It does take a little bit of research and due diligence. You know, the company's uh, getting some lawsuits right now for one of their prior products, which was used for heartburn. You know, those lawsuits are claiming that it might cause cancer. So the market has really sold that stock off. Our healthcare team, they've looked at the situation. You know, they put together a couple of different scenarios, and they think that the amount that that stock has gone down is you know, several times greater than any potential settlement, settlements that they think that company may have to pay out in the future. Well, Dave, thanks for your time and for your perspective today on what this strong U.S. dollar may mean for earnings, stocks, and investors. We appreciate it. All right. Well, thank you, Susan. Thanks, Susan and Dave. And all of you guys out there listening, let us know what you think of the new format of Investing Insights. Email us at podcast at Morningstar.com. Thanks to podcast producer Jake Vankerson, who puts this show together. And I'm thanking you for listening to Investing Insights. I'm your host, Ivana Hampton. I'm also a senior multimedia editor here at Morningstar. Take care. This recording is for informational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice. Opinions expressed are as of the date of recording. Such opinions are subject to change. The views and opinions of guests on this program are not necessarily those of Morningstar Inc. and its affiliates. Morningstar and its affiliates are not affiliated with this guest or his or her business affiliates unless otherwise stated. Morningstar does not guarantee the accuracy or the completeness of the data presented herein. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered tax advice. Please consult a tax and or financial professional for advice specific to your individual circumstances. Morningstar Research Services LLC is a subsidiary of Morningstar Inc. and is registered with and governed by the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. Morningstar Research Services shall not be responsible for any trading decisions, damages, or other losses resulting from or related to the information, data analysis, or opinions or their use. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. All investments are subject to investment risk, including possible loss of principal. Individuals should seriously consider if an investment is suitable for them by referencing their own financial position, investment objectives, and risk profile before making any investment decision.